Thank you, Amy. And uh, singing of billions reminds me that I need to make a correction and addendum from last week's sermon. The Solomon's Temple was 500 million, not 500 billion. Uh, so I got to preach that sermon all over again uh, with the correction. Uh, I must have been when I saw 500 billion, or I must have been looking at Harold Green's 401 or 501k and <laughs> retirement plan. And <laughs> uh, I'm sure I make other errors of that, but that one I caught. Brian Nurik asked me to send me the information. I looked at it again. And I was like, wait a minute, that's not billion, that's million. So. Uh, so really, Solomon's Temple wasn't that great. Um, no. <laughs> uh, well, it was an eventful summer, as you know. We, we went to a wedding. Dylan got married, and we took my dad and my mom with us. And, um, you know, you, you haven't lived until you take your parents with you on a trip, and they give you how much longer until we're there over and over. Well, Mom, it's five minutes later than you asked last time, and and so I just gave them the, the same answer, ah, two and a half hours or so. And uh, they got tired of that pretty quick. Uh, but it was an interesting trip, dad and mom. They're, they're, um, they've been married 65 years now, 66 years, I think. So I think they're going to make it. And, uh, you know, they, they, they're just unique. They're good people. Uh, I wish you guys, I don't know if they've, dad's been here, but I don't think mom's ever been here. It's just a lot for them to travel. But uh, dad and mom... Dad, mom's, you know, most times sleep in separate rooms now, and he said, he'll yell out, he's 90, he'll be 91 next year, he'll yell out to mom, Wanda, you know I love you, and I don't know what I'd have done without you, and so sweet stuff like that, it makes you want to puke, and, uh, <laughs> but good people, great people, and, uh, you know, I'm so um, thankful for the heritage I have with my dad and mom, but so Wyatt was Carton. We, we separated them out, <laughs> uh, and I think we had mom with us, and Wyatt had um, dad with him, and they were driving down the road, and there was a car stop, you know, and there's things to do. You're getting rehearsals. You're getting here and there, and, and uh, they saw the car stopped, and they just kept going, and dad said to Wyatt, he said, did they need help? And uh, Wyatt said, well, they may have. And dad said, you know, Wyatt, I think I would have stopped. <laughs> so, so Wyatt came to me later and said, you know, your dad really made me feel guilty <laughs> for not stopping. And I guess the question I have as we start this morning's service is, what's important enough to get you to stop? Uh, well, what, what is important enough to get you to stop and become involved. I, there, there's a wide range of, of ways people stop. Um, you know, we've got this dog. Kobe stops at every leaf that he sees. Uh, when a garage door opens, Kobe stops. And most of the time when he stops and the garage door is opening, he figures, hey, this is a good time just to go to the bathroom in these people's yard. Uh, I've met more neighbors like that. It's a little bit embarrassing to wave as your dog is, is doing his business in the yard. But he stops at everything. Kobe is a stopper. Uh, I, there was a guy that I knew that was my junior boys teacher. Uh, junior boys, they don't call it junior boys anymore, I think because it scares people off, doesn't it, Gene, when they say junior boys. Henry Ott was my junior boys teacher, and Henry would stop for everybody. He would stop for every hitchhiker he saw. He would stop for them. So Some become almost over-involved. And there's a wide range of reasons why we don't become involved. Sometimes we've been hurt, and, or sometimes we're distracted. Uh, sometimes we're just in the, in the business of life, and, and, and we don't feel like it's a good time to stop. 
Uh, when I ran my 10K, there was a lady running next to me and a sniper got her and she bit the dust. And Terry said, did you stop? And I said, no, I just kept going. I figured somebody behind me would stop. Uh, we, we just don't like to stop. But I, I want you to know today that, that Jesus stopped. Uh, Jesus stopped and interceded and intervened in the life of people. God in Jesus dove into the messy lives of people. And, and he didn't just minister to people from far off. and He didn't just wait for people to come to him, but Jesus became involved close up in the mess of people's lives. Jesus loved people to the extent that their little concerns became his concern. And when you read the life of Jesus, Jesus is, is, is fascinating because his, his concern from people went from the small to the great. You know, we see the stories of Lazarus being rose from the dead and we see people having demons cast out of them and we see people who are healed from leprosy. We have lame people walking, blind people seeing these significant major miracles. And then we see Jesus healing a fever. So even little things, you know, it's Peter's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever and Jesus heals her. We see Jesus redeeming a fishing trip by allowing them to have a great catch of fish. Spencer and I went um, fishing this summer. We needed Jesus with us. You know, he redeemed the fishing trip and he quieted storms just to alleviate the fears of his disciples. So, so we see Jesus intervening in a wide range of circumstances for, from dire need to not so dire need. And this morning we're going to dive into another miracle, which I don't believe this is a dire need. I believe Jesus could have let this pass, but Jesus decides to intervene in the life of hungry people. Now, Dr. Radcliffe preached from this text um, two weeks ago. It's the feeding of the 5,000. But it's significant enough. I think it's okay. Can we read a text more than twice in the same month and be okay? Uh, you guys didn't say okay, but it's tough. Unless you want me to do this Solomon's Temple sermon all over again, if you really want to hear that again. Matthew 14, beginning in verse 13. And, and, and this is in every gospel account. Uh, every, all four gospels have this story in it. Now, when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate and the hour is already late. So send the crowds away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring, bring them here to me. Ordering the people to sit down on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up towards heaven, he blessed the food and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. There were about 5,000 men who ate 
besides women and children. This story is in every gospel. All four gospels include this story. And the truth is, most of the gospels don't include all these stories and all these teachings. As significant as the Beatitudes are, Matthew is the primary source of the Beatitudes. Luke has a limited version of the Beatitudes, but the Beatitudes aren't even present in Mark and John. As significant as the raising of Lazarus from the dead, is there a more significant story of a raising of someone from the dead than Lazarus? It's only included in the Gospel of John. You know, the Gospel of John includes the washing of the feet, but it doesn't include the Lord's Supper institution. So all the Gospels include different things. You find the birth account in which Gospels? That's a question. Luke, and what's the other one? And Matthew. You guys are kind of half asleep this morning. Oh, I forgot. You folks and your Buckeyes. <laughs> now, I, I had forgotten, and you guys are all depressed this morning. Jesus is still on the throne. <laughs> and I got news for you. I watched Alabama play Tennessee yesterday. Ohio State wouldn't have had a prayer against Alabama. I'm telling you, they're that good. So just let it go. I got a text from Dylan last night. He said, Dad, your congregation's going to be so upset tomorrow, aren't they? And I had forgotten because I was so excited about Jesus. You guys feel guilty now? All the Gospels include this story. It's significant what Jesus does, even though I don't think the need is dire, I don't think anybody was going to starve to death on their way home. Why is it significant? As God fed the people of Israel with manna in the wilderness, Jesus feeds the multitudes in the wilderness. In other words, it's an image of the Exodus account, and Jesus is saying, as God fed you, I'm feeding you. Now, the truth is, there's 5,000 men who ate, besides women and children. I would guess that the number is closer to 15 to 20,000 that are fed by Jesus. And after he feeds this many with 12 loaves and five fish, there's this overabundance. I got to tell you, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how that happens other than the providence of God. Twelve full baskets. And, and the word used here is not a, a small basket. This is a big basket. Bigger than the basket of five fish and 12 loaves. Twelve is a significant number. It's, it's this number of completeness and and the provision of Jesus is more than enough. If that's true this morning, say amen. amen. Jesus is more than enough. He is always, he will always satisfy, and he's always more than we need. 
in the Mark account, it particularly says, have them sit down in, in, in the green grass. And, and anytime you see in the Bible this green grass, it, it points back to the creation account that our God is this creator God, that, that all, all creation springs from the hand of God. And so our God creates, and our God provides, and so does Jesus. So, so in all of this, Jesus is, is demonstrating, he, he's letting the people know that God is active and present in the flesh in Jesus Christ. But was this really a dire need? Did, was this something that, that, would they have really starved? I don't think so. I think there was some uncomfortable hunger, but, but I don't think anybody would have starved on the way home. And I think the lesson that we get is this, Jesus cares about the everyday needs of people. Your, your everyday needs, Jesus cares. You know, it's not, not just the big rocks of your life, but Jesus cares about every detail of your life and my life. He cares. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives us this template of prayer, this, this, this method of prayer, this way of praying. And what's he say? Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, Jesus says, bring your daily needs to your heavenly Father because he cares for you. In the gospel, or in, the, um, in 1 Peter, you know, Peter, Peter knew Jesus personally, right? He was close to Jesus. If he wasn't his, his best friend, maybe John was, I don't know. He was one of the three that were extremely close to Jesus. He knew him personally. He didn't learn about Jesus in a Sunday school class or from a preacher. He didn't learn about Jesus in a secondhand nature. He knew Jesus. In the context of that, Peter says this, cast all your care on him because he cares for you. <laughs> that wasn't something that Peter learned. That was something that Peter experienced. <laughs> God cares about you. He cares about your big needs and your little needs. God cares about you. And in the feeding of the 5,000, we see this. I see Terry and Emma there. God cares for you. Tell you, April, what a super mom, what a super wife, what a super Christian. But God cares for you guys. Gene and Carol cares. See, Milt sitting there just lost his wife. God cares for you. I mean, the, the hardship that, that we're going through, Linda, I see you back there. You've been suffering, but God cares for you. Dave and Linda are moving to Florida and we're gonna love them anyhow. God cares for you. Whatever you're going through, Art, God cares for you. He cares for your dad. God has this deep, intimate desire to love you and care for you. And, and, and he wants us just to lay those concerns on him. 
Sometimes that's hard to see, isn't it? You know, Amy, we sang that song. I don't know if she's in here or out. She may be out with the kids, but uh, I look back and I see that you're faithful. I look ahead and know that you're able. And you, the, the truth is, can, can we all be honest enough that sometimes the circumstances of life can blind us to the reality of God? Right? We can go through things and we can say, yeah, I, I, I believe that, but it seems in these circumstances... I'm going to do a series at some point on failure. Because we sometimes judge God by how circumstances turn out. But he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is always faithful, and he cares for us regardless of the circumstances. That's why we have to seize and hold on to Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, can you say all things with me? All things that God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. I've experienced things in my life that I wish I didn't have to experience. Anybody with me? The truth is, in the good and the bad, God works all things for my good and his glory. God cares about you. He cares about your need. Whatever you're going through, God cares. Now, now, now we could stop there, but, but, but we're talking about God in the flesh. And, and, and last week, we began to explore that God wants to be wrapped in our flesh, that, that, that he, a building can't contain him, a building can't demonstrate him, but, but God was wrapped in the flesh of Jesus, and now we can allow God to be wrapped in our flesh. You know, we're not fully God, but we can be full of God. We can allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, and we can begin to live and show Jesus and live and show God in the way we live. We're meant to be an image of God. And so the question of the series is, I hope that you accept that whatever you're going through, God cares for you. But more than that, I hope you accept that God wants you to be a part. Are you willing to allow God to wrap himself in your flesh. Dr. Purdue said, was that the end of August Dr. Purdue was here? He said, and I wrote this down, I told him he needs to start tweeting. He's a tweeting machine. I tell you, his little quotes, they're great. The greatest need of our church is Christ-likeness. That's what the church needs. The, the, the church needs to be so full of Jesus that people see Jesus in us. And in the story, Jesus invites his disciples to meet the needs. He says, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. What's the takeaway? Jesus calls his followers to meet the needs of others through the resources we possess. He calls us to give what we have and trust him to use it. And in trusting and giving, our ordinary gifts can lead to extraordinary results. Amen?
God can do with what we have more than we can do with what we have. Boy, I don't think I can ever say that again in the same way. And for this to happen, I'm going to suggest three very practical changes of attitude, three shifts in attitude. Give what you can without worrying about whether it's enough. In other words, folks, you know, sometimes we, the needs are so great. Amen? We see these great needs and, and we think, I can't do anything. I can't do enough. And the suggestion today is just give what God lays on your heart. Give what you can and don't worry about the extent of the need. God can use what you give if you give it. Secondly, give in ordinary ways and allow God to use your gift however he chooses. In other words, folks, this boy that gave his lunch, do you think he thought it would be given or used in the way that Jesus used it? I don't think he did. So, so when we give just what we can in ordinary ways and just allow God the freedom to use our gift however he chooses. And thirdly, give and trust God is using it for a greater way than we can see. In other words, there's this faith element that as I'm giving, I'm realizing that my gift goes beyond what, I, what I'm giving it even for. I think about what we have coming up, Fall Fun Fest. <laughs> uh, you say, well, I, Pastor, what, what difference could an hour of my time make? I don't know. That's up to God. <laughs> but, but I believe when we serve in those ways, that, that God uses our, our time and our talents and our energy in a way that's far beyond our own ability to use it. I believe that. You know, I, I've been amazed uh, and I, I don't understand. It seems like, Brian, you, you look like a social media guru, right? 3,000 um, views on a social media thing is pretty, pretty crazy, isn't it? For a church of our size. You know, your Fall Fun Fest has been viewed uh, more than 3,000 times at the church, and I don't think that includes the, share time, the shared pages. And people are commenting on it. So you're beginning to develop this reputation with your Fall Fun Fest that people are recognizing your love for them and your love for the community. And God is using our simple gift to the community in an outstanding way. Volunteer. NYC. Is Josh in here? He may be helping Kim today. NYC, Nazarene Youth Congress. Is that right? Okay. Um, there's a bucket out there where you could drop change, and we'll probably do an offering at some point. NYC can be transformative for your teens. <laughs> Talk to your youth pastor. Your youth pastor is a youth pastor. He's a pastor. Let's, let's just say he's a pastor and not a truck driver. <laughs> Nothing wrong being a truck driver, but it's wrong to be a truck driver when God's calling you to be a pastor. It's equally wrong to be a pastor when God's calling you to be a trucker, right? God called him into the ministry at NYC. 
And so there were people that supported and people that gave that, that made it possible for him to attend an NYC. I believe that one was in Arizona as well. And because of that, the path of his life was changed. Ordinary gifts. Angel tree. And, and I'm so glad that Bev and Lori and Terry's taking this on. And uh, so we'll, we'll have more details for you. Operation Angel Tree. And it's simply giving a gift to a kid through the prison fellowship whose parents are in prison. I read this story from the Detroit Free Press. Detroit Lions linebacker Trevor Bates, 25, was once a kid growing up with a dad in prison. On Saturday, he stepped onto a field in a park on Detroit's east side to help some kids in similar circumstances. Boys and girls ages 7 to 14 ran drills through passes and got mentoring from professional athletes at um, a park through Angel Tree Sports Clinic run by Prison Fellowship, a Christian nonprofit supporting prisoners, former prisoners, and their families. That same nonprofit once helped Bates' family, making it possible for his dad to send presents through its Angel Tree Christmas program. The pro football player who grew up in Maine told the free press, this is something that hits home in my heart. And it's just great talking to some of the kids and offering encouragement. He said he wanted them to know that an NFL player went through the same things they're going through, the same kind of circumstances, same hardships, same difficulties, and was still able to chase his dreams. Your little gifts matter. Getting a Christmas gift through prison fellowship matters. And it's not going to cost you hundreds of dollars. It's not going to cost you a great deal of time, but little things matter. Well, I'm done. And all God's people said, amen. But I think we need to respond. I think we need to have opportunity to respond. Um, All heads bowed, all eyes closed. And if we got any music you can put on, and our altars are always open. Uh, they're always available. The altar is just a great place to meet with God, and maybe you're going through something, and, and you just need to meet with Him and talk to Him. Maybe God's calling you to serve in some way, and you're struggling with it. Uh, but I encourage you, if you'd like to come, come quickly, and then I'm going to close this in prayer in just a few minutes. Heads bowed. I just, 
who's struggling with the ideal that God cares for him? Would you just lift your hand? Anybody struggling with that this morning? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, um, we love you. But the truth is, we don't love you near as much as you love us. You love us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, the perfect God-man, he who was without sin, the only one worthy of life. And he willingly laid his life down on our behalf. What more needs to be said? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Help us now, Lord, to cast our cares upon you, to to live in this reality where our daily needs, our daily cares, our concerns, our worries are given to you. Lord, I'm thankful for this congregation, for this group of people. I'm thankful for everything they do. They're making a difference. I pray, Lord, that you'll just continue to show us the way, that you'll guide pastors and leaders and Sunday school teachers and and, and all that serve in this, this great church. May we allow you to wrap yourself in our flesh. May we seek Christ-likeness. May we seek to be full of your Holy Spirit. Not for our glory, but for yours. Now, Lord, as we go from this place, I pray that you will bless our Sunday school times, our times of gatherings, that you'll go with us from this place. And and Lord, we'll realize that there really are no holy places. There's only places where holy people gather. And so, Lord, where we go can become a sanctuary. This afternoon, we'll encounter people that didn't come to a church building. But the truth is, the church can go to them. That your Holy Spirit, alive within us, can make you present to people in a fresh and a new way. So guide us, use us, keep us. And Lord, may you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless.